and welcome to Spiritual Mixtape. I am your host, Daisy Mack, and I cannot believe my guest today. She was my first coach and really my only coach. I haven't been coached by anybody apart from Rebecca because she is my girl. Pitch Club are my people. I have been through every iteration of Rebecca's world from the collective, which is how you join Rebecca's world, to her inner circle, which is the mastermind. And now I facilitate for her, which is the most beautiful full circle you could ever go on. But I have to say, when I met Rebecca... I was looking for I was looking for a friend really and a guide and a mentor but I was also looking for a new way to create a sustainable life a sustainable work life after a really hectic corporate career uh Q Rebecca Q Pitch Club in they in they waltz into my life welcome on the show Rebecca I'm so glad to have you here I'm so I'm honored to be here. And, you know, like always when we get on a call together, I already feel like I'm going to cry, which makes Aww. sense because the first time we ever were on Zoom together, we bawled our eyes out. <laughs> I mean, it was all the things like I was I was really looking for a new career. And everyone who's been following me for a while will know that I left a big job in the music industry and was trying to figure out how to make a, 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 a new direction in wellness. And I was spending all the money on all the things and all the certifications, yet they weren't turning into a business. And I was really, I was so sad the day that I found you. So I was doing a thing called IIN, a health coaching course, which tons of people do. And it, and I find that it's, um, I don't want to call it a mixed bag at all, but it either is going to work for you professionally or it's going to open you up personally and for me I wanted it to work professionally but what it did was open me up personally and that just made me annoyed because Enneagram 7 I wanted it to work immediately I wanted my new direction I wanted all the things and towards the end of that course you pop up as a I don't even know what your masterclass was. I wasn't going to do it. And I just think <laughs> all the angels align. And it wasn't because I wasn't going to do you. I was just at the end of this course and just thinking I've taken everything I can. And you pop in and you're just this ray of light. And like I said, I was sad that day because I was like, what am I going to do? I've just dropped six grand on this course and I don't know where I'm going at the end of this. And then you come up and you're like, I've got the answers. I've got the answers. And thank God that you turned up because I think I would have been spinning on my wheels. Uh, I would have taken me a, a lot longer to get where I am now with so many more difficult, tricky. I mean, being an entrepreneur is hard. I think if I'd understood that before I left my job, I just I wouldn't have left my job. I would have, I would have stayed. Oh, because everyone thinks it's, it's massive freedom. And there is a, there is a lot of freedom, but it's also like radical ownership and the, the good and the bad, especially for Enneagram sevens like us who are like, we live in the energy of possibility is everything is possible. And the, the kryptonite is everything is possible. Yep. Yeah. Too many possibilities. I end up doing nothing. 
Yeah. And we say, what's wrong with us that I have all this freedom and yet I can't figure out what I want to focus on. <sighs> focus. Let's, should we start there? No, so why not? <laughs> how do you, on a day where you have so many moving parts, how do you focus? I actually know two of the things that you do, but how, tell everyone. I'm like, what, what are the things that you know that I do? Have I evolved them or optimized them? Yeah. Well, I knew before that you would do breath work in the sauna, which is something I copy straight up. I copy that from you. Um, and you do it in the morning and it would focus your thoughts. Do you still do that? Most mornings. Uh, I do my best to get in the sauna every day. And even if I don't, do breath work, which it's so funny. I was just going back to like during the times of my life that I felt the most clear or focused, what am I doing? And that's always one of them. And, and this is not because I'm on your podcast, but I will say <laughs> Daisy's manifestation breath work is still my go-to. And I'll, I'll share a story later about that. But when I have, what I've realized is there's really, there's three elements. There is the element of movement, which doesn't happen in the sauna. There's the element of mindfulness. Now that Sometimes that's breath work, usually. Sometimes it's like I pull a card or I journal or I listen to something or I read. It's just a time to be introspective, a time to think, a time to get clarity or visualize. Um, and the third part is, is you can call it wellness or detoxing, which the sauna obviously does. Um, so the ideal is, you know, all of those things happen and I have a bougie two hour routine. And then the reality <laughs> is, is I have, you know, two small children and a husband and now a new puppy. So if I get up at five, then I can probably get them all in. But there are some days that I'm like, you know what? Today is going to be, I'm going to go to a workout class because they will force me to do the thing that I don't want to do. And then the second is maybe I'll just dry brush while I listen to like five minutes of something that really motivates me. So I, I think it's important to, um, to have a menu versus a routine that you can just like when we go eat, right? It like depends on how hungry, how full, the time, like all of the things that you're feeling. And that way it doesn't feel like it's a yes or a no, or it's a, I did it or I didn't do it. It's like, well, today I can do a version. I can, I can honor my non-negotiables, but in a way that works for me and what I need today. I love that you put it as a menu. I have been searching for the right word to describe it. And um, it's always quite interesting when I have clients that they need a they need a regime because that's the opposite to what I'm like as a person. And I always find it like quite, it's quite fun to then like help someone enforce that or be accountable, like someone's accountability for something I just actually would never do myself. I need the <laughs> menu. <laughs> I need to be able to choose. Exactly. The, the, it's the menu. And so while in my calendar, right, it's like from 4.30 to 4.45 to 8, we have this morning routine. The reality is, is that is a menu. And even, even down to, you know, from the hours of call it seven to eight 30, that's like I'm six 30 to eight 30, depending on if I go, if I'm doing a workout out of the house, that's kid time. So even that menu, it's like, well, sometimes that's board games. And sometimes like today, my daughter and I built a Lego and sometimes that's a puzzle or sometimes they just want to sit and read. Just like when we look at breakfast, I'm like, all right, what's on the menu? well, how much time do I have? What do I have? Like, are, are the avocados ripe and they need to be used today? Like, <laughs> so I like, I like personally having a menu and I think it works for most people because it gets us out of the idea of like, if it's not perfect, we're not going to do it at all. So I know two things. Here's another two things I know about you. Go for it. Like the craziest stalker. I love um, it. 
<laughs> well, I'm going to figure out how to word this, but I know that you hit a million in revenue, which is incredible. And as someone who's worked with you both sides, I know how much of a non-businessy business you actually are, like how <laughs> easy it is to work with you and not feel like you're being sold to. So that's really special that you can make a million by basically being a great person and doing a great job. Um, but the other side was I did look at your Instagram this morning and I saw you playing board games with your daughter, which is so adorable. And I want to ask you how you make that happen. And I know you've just called it a menu, but because I also know where you came from and, you know, everyone, everyone my age and older will remember life pre the 2008 crash and will have started their careers with a ton of money being thrown around. And it was a very exciting place. I don't think we were quite aware of what was going to happen. But then it became a terrifying place as the crash began. So what is it like to know what risk is, to take it anyway, build a million dollar company and still have time to play board games with your child? Okay. That's that you just asked like a five point question. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to the, what you said earlier, you know, I'm, I'm a little older, but when I was in my job, so I, I grew up, you know, from a very humble beginning, single mom, um, we did not have a lot. And when I found out, well, after I decided I would not continue to be a journalist, which was what I you know, got educated. I forgot that you did that. <laughs> yes. No, I'm, that was my first love. I was like, I'm going to be an architect, an attorney, an author, and a, what was the fourth one? Was it an architect? Oh, an actress. Maybe archaeologist. I don't know. I really I loved all the that. eight things. <laughs> but I, yeah, I studied, I mean, I started writing, I mean, I think I did my first like short story contest in fifth grade and was always writing. And, you know, sometimes for achievement, but often for myself. And I went to school for that and I loved it, but then I had to have a bartending job to support my journalism habit. And then I went to sales. Now I never wanted to be in sales, but what I learned is that I really love when I love asking questions. I need to understand things in chronological order. That also means I am sometimes an interrupter, but that's why I work with like Enneagram sevens because we just interrupt each other, but we get all the information and we're excited. And what I realized is that if it was something I believed in and I felt like I was creating impact that I could sell. And I went into real estate because it's, it's a very warm, fuzzy, you get to you know go deep with people. It's really relationship building. It's why I did not go into timeshare sales. I went into new home sales, which, which means six to 12 month um, customer cycle with people 55 plus, which now doesn't look very far away. And I'm like, they are not senior citizens. <laughs> it is active adults. But... <laughs> I I loved it. And I should say I loved it. It was in my zone of excellence looking back, but it was learning new things. I I was getting to interact with people. And then I got into management at a young age. And, and like you said, I made a ton of money. I mean, my my I think when I was 26, it was 2006. So I turned 26 that year and I made $400,000. That was in 2006. So, and I'm looking, I'm like, and it's 333. Of course, that's an angel number while I'm talking to you. Yeah. I... I did not even know that was possible. And I will say, looking back, I worked like a demon. I did not take a day off the first year I worked. 
I, I mean, I did, you know, I was able to do amazing things like invest in my 401k and buy real estate and investment properties and really random, but like I owned a two and a half acre island in Belize. Like all, I was like, I watched The Secret and I was like, oh my gosh, this island's called The Secret. It's a sign. You know, I'm like, let's buy it. So I was able to do some really cool things. But what happened then when, when the real estate market crashed, I was in Las Vegas, by the way. So I was in the hottest and then the worst market, you know, working in, in real estate sales um, when the recession happened, when the crash happened. And I lost, I always say I didn't lose it because I know where it went, but like all of this, this wealth that I had thought I had accumulated, which was, you know, a combination of, uh, of yes, like my savings, my 401k and, um, and investments and real estate, you know, I, I was sitting there at 26, 27, like, oh my gosh, I have a two, I have $2 million of assets. And a year and a half later, I was negative. Yeah. And I ended up divorced during that time. And then shortly after, you know, when I was dating my my boyfriend at the time, um, and he got diagnosed with stage four cancer. And that was still when I was in the rebuilding. Like I was like negotiating short sales on my own homes and and just, you know, it was a dark time. And when I look back, I look back and I said, okay, what I learned is you take nothing with you. Nothing. Everything can be lost except the experience that you had. Right. And I'm not just talking about the fun because I definitely wish I would have had more fun during the year I worked every day. I still make amazing friends. I still had a lot of experience. I fit a lot of things in in year I'm seven again. Um, but I didn't, I, I had a lot of regrets about the time that I had not spent and about some of the things that I did and not, not like unethical things, but just I worked my ass off. And, um, when my boyfriend was going through chemo, you know, I didn't have the choice I had to work because I was still rebuilding financially. I was like barely scraping by. And there were those days that it was like, okay, I really want to go to his chemo appointment. Like I also am afraid if I don't go to work, I'm going to get fired. And that really instilled in me. It's like, you don't, you have no guarantee of what you could take with you. Obviously outside of like, I mean, I would say experience over even education because what I learned in that market, what I learned losing a loved one to cancer, like, yes, I had a great journalism experience going to a, a great school. But like, I learned more working in a newspaper than I did in a journalism program. I learned more going through cancer than I did, you know, in any book that I ever read. And, and so I, you know, I will get back to this answer is I just was like, when I, when I have the ability to not be in survival mode, I'm going to choose differently. And, and then I, you know, I met my husband and, um, I think that was probably the most productive time of my life. Cause I was really dialed into like, all right, I'm going to, I give it five. And this is not coming from perfectionism. It is coming from, I want to do all the things. And I'm also very gifted, despite having some genetic stuff. I'm very gifted to have a short sleep gene. So I was like, get up at five, work out, be at the office by seven, you know, kick ass at the office. And then, you know, at 6.30, go to yoga and spin or whatever, and then have a girl's night and, you know, rinse and repeat. <laughs> um, and it was really fun when I wasn't having anxiety attacks at a job that was stressing me out. What's your anxiety like now? Um. I still experience anxiety occasionally. You know, I, it's it's actually usually in the process of mothering. And the aura ring, I love it. And it's also like such an eye-opener because I'm like, oh, now I can actually see my stress level. And it's 6 to 8 a.m. 
and 6 to 8 p.m. And what it is, is it's not necessarily when I'm with my kids. It's when I'm with my kids where there is a time-sensitive objective because the weekends are a lot different. So it's like the getting them off to school or it's the getting them to bed. When we travel, it I, I don't experience that, right? Or when we're on vacation. Um, but yeah, I come into my office and whether it's a podcast or I'm working with a client one-on-one or like training at a masterclass, weekend at the pitch club, I was on stage, you know, in front of a hundred plus people. And I looked at my aura ring and, and you have four levels. You have restoration, which is your body's in restoration. That's like, it's like Delta state, right? Or I think Delta state. You have relaxation, engaged, which means like you're engaged and then they're stressed. <laughs> and if I'm working out or with my children, I'm, I am stressed. If I'm in my business, I'm usually relaxed or engaged. Speaking on stage or like on a podcast, I will probably look later and it will show me as in between relaxed and restored. So that, by the way, that also, I'm like, oh, that's flow. That's zone of yeah. genius. Like it actually shows me. Um, but, but to your question, like how do I prioritize games with my children, those types of things, right? Um, that learned experience of what is really important to me and how am I going to fit it in or how am I going to create priorities around what is important? Not just what I say is important, but like actually having it show up in my life and in my calendar. Like I know if I don't put it into my calendar, it's not going to happen. And even if I do, it's still probably going to go sideways at some point, 25% of it's not going to happen the way I intend. But um, I, I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. And I also didn't want to be a working mom in the way that I saw, um, and this is no judgment on anyone, but when my when when my friends had small children and they were working in corporate, I was like, oh my gosh, they went back to work at six weeks. Or they, you know, they leave the house at seven and they're they get home at seven and their kids are little. And I was like, I don't want that. So I'm like, how can I build a business, you know, at a pace that I get excited about because I like expansion and possibility and get to be really present and impactful because I didn't want to build a business in 10 hours a week. I was like, I don't want to do that. I do want to build something that has a, I have a big vision and a big mission. And I also want to be a really present parent. And so I looked at that and I'm like, well, what are those non-negotiable building blocks? And it's the hour and a half in the morning or sometimes it's an hour or something, but usually it's an hour and a half. It's, it's basically from seven to nine because I work out usually six to six forty-five. Like today was heated yoga my husband, I, I pre-make the kids like smoothies, their vitamins. So whenever time they get up, my husband, all he has to sit is sit there and do is like hang out. Like I make it so easy <laughs> so that he has no problem every morning that he's on duty during that time. And then I get home and I'm like, okay, then it's, it's the logistics. It's like the breakfast and the getting them dressed and packing the lunches and all that. But usually I can do that in a way that still allows me to like play a 15 or 20 minute game with my son or, you know, have a conversation with them. We always play board games at night too. And then I, my daughter, my son goes out to school at eight o'clock. I don't leave to walk her to school till 845. So that's like this morning I was getting ready and she came in. I took, go get your clothes. She's like a little diva. She comes back and she was, mommy, I want to be, I want to be beautiful. So that involved her taking body glitter that Manina had given me. I haven't worn body glitter since like 2000 and you know, 1999 um, when like, you know, ghetto superstar was a song, <laughs> but like, she's like spraying glitter on herself and she wants lipstick. So I like gave her a little gloss and she's like going through my approved jewelry, not the real stuff, you know? And like she, I mean, she wore a crown to school today. A crown amazing. It's amazing. And, and, you know, when we walked to school and of course now I've got the dog, but 
I build those things, those things in and, and I also have someone that I'm accountable to. So, you know, Brittany, my operations manager, I tell her, here's all the important things. And then she makes sure that I don't book appointments over my calendar. And I've just really, I think what it is, Daisy, is I've realized that spaciousness has so much value and that I will be more efficient and effective and connected and creative and happy and impactful and all of those things if I am not back-to-back. And that took me, I mean, I don't know, 20-something, maybe 30 years to realize. Because I was like the seventh grader. My parents sat me down and be like, you're doing too many activities. Quit half of these. You're you're exhausted. And it was really just this year that I'm like, you know, actually maybe actually planning 30 minutes to eat lunch away from my computer is a smart thing to do. So two or three days a week, I have lunch with my daughter She when she comes home for lunch. And like, I'll just sit there with her and chat with her. I mean, this is the stuff of dreams. I feel like everybody is... This is the highlight. Listen, we have the, you know, we have the crying fits and we have all the things like it is real life. And there's a time that I screw up and like literally today I get a call from the school and they're like, um, you didn't sign up Vivi for art class. And I was like, what? But I sent the check and they're like, well, you had to sign up on the special link and I didn't check the email and, you know, and so she didn't get to go to art class and it was, she was, it was all fine. But like that stuff still happens and it will continue to happen. I just don't let it affect me. I don't like shame myself for it. Again, superpower of Enneagram 7. Did you used to? I have a, I think I have really good self-talk. Ooh, let's talk about this because what would you, how would you teach someone to have really good self-talk? If you could see that that was their problem, what was like the number one tip you would give them? So what I would say is (laughs) do your Enneagram so you understand how you talk to yourself first. (laughs) Because I think I can give someone affirmations or ideas, but they're going to be like, that doesn't even resonate. Because I've learned, like, I'm an Enneagram 7, so I don't go into shame. I go into anxiety. My question when, you know, shit gets real, if I can say that, I learned that the question or the thing that I will ask myself when when I overbook, when, you know, and, and what always happens when I'm overbooked is that's when I, well, that's when my kids freak out. But what it really is, is I'm overbooked. And so I'm showing up tense and I'm not as patient. And then that you know, they pick up on my energy and I will always go to, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? How do I fix this? Where my husband, who's an Enneagram three will go into what's wrong with me. So it's, it's anxiety versus shame. So what I have done in the self-talk is I've gotten better about asking myself questions that can reduce future anxiety. So I say like, okay, this happened. I don't judge myself. I'm like, how can I avoid this in the future? What boundary do I need to put in? Like, and and then the, the other thing I will say, and this is any time that you have a lesson, I'll just give three questions, and I actually think this applies for any type of personality. Um, ask myself, what is the lesson to be learned here? Mm. Like, what's the lesson? Right, and it could be as simple as like, don't overschedule or show up on time or, or early, right, or whatever that thing is, or this type of person is not a good personality for you, or this is going to lead to whatever, right, like. And the first time I ever, I developed this kind of questionnaire I go through, it was actually a breakup of a, of a, a 29 year friendship, 29 year best friendship. Can we talk about that? Because I feel like there isn't, not necessarily that particular situation, but I have been navigating changing friendships. As you change Mm. careers, they change dramatically as you, 
you know, I've just headed into my forties and it changes again. And sometimes, thank you. And with some friends, because I don't have kids and that was a conscious choice and some friends have gone off in the kids direction. And actually some of my friends with kids are like, I need my single friend and, and it's not even a thing. But navigating friendship, it's worse than a breakup with a guy ever, ever was. Oh, like I don't oh. typically block the the, the ex girlfriends. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. My husband said this to me one time. He's like, "Well, you have a lot of relationships that end, or you know," and he's like, "I don't have ever have that." And I said, "Well, actually, I said I don't see that as a negative because I'm evolving." And two things I would just say, and this is what I tell myself, is like people sometimes are just a chapter in your story. They're not the whole story, right? And the second thing is that like people come into your lives for a reason, but because you've had a shared history doesn't mean you need to have a shared future. Oh, I mean, I feel all of this, but how do you feel okay about accepting these like melancholy truths? Sure. One is not to demonize. I think it's really easy to be like, well, they did this or dated that and like to like remember all the like to to focus on the negative right that's kind of the the, the perfectionism um or write them off and you know one I, i'm really about owning my side of the street too i was like well what how did i contribute to whatever happened but i'll, I'll just say this specific relationship you know we've been best friends since we were eight and she's a lovely human being um she had a pattern that actually she shares with my mom which is if she gets upset she won't necessarily say why she's upset she'll just like it's like the silent treatment and that could last for six to 12 months. And it had happened a few times when I was in my people pleasing phase where I just, I, I just didn't have con- a, a communication and I didn't know it was wrong. So I felt guilty, which, so I guess then I was feeling guilt. This was, when I was in my Enneagram. I was leaning into my, my two, the helper. Right. And I was like, what did I do wrong? But I was afraid of the conflict of asking for it or asking what happened. What did I do? Well, I can't fix something that I don't know. So when this happened again in my late thirties. Um, and it was just, you know, we were doing different things. She's in a job I'd gone, I'd become an entrepreneur. I was building a business online, a lot more visibility. Um, I was sharing a lot more, not, not about her, but, um, and I remember I hadn't heard from her for a while. And, and I noticed that the last couple of calls that we had, the last time that we had chatted, we used to always connect when we were in jobs and we both were on the road a lot. We were both like had big territories. So we would connect when we were driving, but I'd noticed as I became an entrepreneur and I got a lot more into personal development and growth and like, Hey, I have to take responsibility for everything in my life, good or bad. And there was just, it seemed like the calls got more negative around like, you know, maybe talking about people we knew or things. And often I would still take part in it. And then I'd feel like garbage after. And I was like, well, I'm not, I haven't grown to the point that I'm like, you know, I don't want to talk about that. Or I'd like to focus on something positive. So I was still doing it. And then I was feeling bad about it. I was feeling like energetically gross. Um, so I think that I probably subconsciously just was maybe a little less available, but also my life had just changed. And, and so she didn't like, I just noticed, I was like, oh, she's not responding to my texts or my, you know, my voice memos. I sent an email and it just, there was just like radio silence. And I finally reached out and I said, Hey, I'm not sure what I did, but obviously you're upset about something. And I, it makes me really sad, but I, I would love to know so that I can fix it or I can, I can improve. And she responded. And, and the answer was basically like, I just don't fit into your Instagram life. It doesn't seem like you're making time for people that aren't in that 
area. And I was like, I was like, okay. And that, that made me realize, and you know, I asked myself, I'm like, what's the lesson to be learned here? Um, and I was like, well, the lesson really was that not everyone needs to be part of my future. The lesson was that I could be really grateful for the beautiful times that we'd had together. And I could also learn the discernment of, all right, this relationship is shifting and true, I hadn't been showing up as a great friend because the friendship was no longer really fulfilling. I just didn't have the maturity at that point um, to be like, you know what? Like, it seems like we, we're really focused on different things, and that's totally fine. But let's not like make effort forced, right? Ooh. So, so in that, I, I asked myself that, and then here's the second the second question is, okay, so what is the lesson to be learned? that, you know, someone that maybe makes me feel like this, I don't want to energetically put into the relationship. I need to be clear about that also so they're not like chasing me and feeling abandoned or rejected or whatever. Um, But the second question is, have I actually learned the lesson? Because there's a lot of times that we intellectually know the lesson, but we haven't really felt it. It's like the... I'm going to lend money or I'm going to do this thing or whatever. And we're like, this is probably not a good idea. Like I probably up here know, maybe intuitively I'm doing this for the wrong reason, but it hasn't gotten so bad that we're like, absolutely never again. So for me, often I get really behind on my emails. And what is the lesson? Well, unsubscribe for things, say yes to less, have someone manage your email. There's lots of lessons. But what got me to learn the lesson of like, okay, calendar or email management is a must as I just forgot this, this art, you know, was, um, my son came home one day and he's like, mommy, you missed my, I think it was in kindergarten or first grade. You missed like the, whatever it was like the parade today. And all of the other parents were there. You are the only one. And I was like, ball. I mean, I was like in tears and I like comb through my email. Sure enough, it's in my inbox, completely missed it. Unread. So I will say school said way too many emails. You know, way too many. It's like 10 emails they a week. To, like, Come on. They need to help you out. <laughs> they need to help us out. But but now, at least for my son's school, because my daughter's school, they published a calendar a year in advance. You don't really, you, you don't miss things except signing up for our class. So I was like, I felt that lesson in my body. I already knew that I got behind in emails. But when I saw his disappointment, I made a commitment. And then the third is, if I have truly learned the lesson is there any benefit to me feeling this way any longer? Because I think we can go into this pity spiral when the reality is, is like, okay, now this is not constructive, right? Like, can I transmute this energy that I am spending probably energetically draining myself into something positive? So in that moment, like after I was like, okay, I'm feeling this and I made a commitment to him. Now I'm going to transmute this, like feeling sorry for myself, feeling sorry for my kid, all of this into like, Honestly, I was, I was pissed. I was pissed at myself. And I transmitted that into action. And I was like, I spent like four hours at night and I like freaking cleaned up my emails. I set up some email boundaries. I set up alerts. So if the school sends an email, it gets starred. Like I created some, some processes to ensure that that wouldn't happen again. And, and same thing with the friend, right? It's like, okay, the lesson to learn is, is if I am in a relationship with someone who is someone that like cuts people off. So one of those people that like goes silent or it's the the passive aggressive of like, oh, we haven't talked forever or you didn't respond to my last text. I guess you've been too busy. Like that that type of stuff. I I the lesson I now know is I either just do not put time and attention into those relationships or I'm really clear from the get-go, hey, 
Email is a terrible way to get a hold of me. Text is best. If I missed your message and I haven't responded in 24 hours, please send me another text. It is possible that my children were on my phone, ideally not, you know, and they scroll. Or it's possible now you, thank goodness, iPhone finally did that thing where we can read and hit unread. You know, we <laughs> yeah. can like mark it down and go back to it. Thank goodness. So- thank you, Apple. <laughs> but I tell people, if it's important, reach out to me again. And if someone, if that doesn't work for them, then then they're, we probably, I'm probably not the best person to fit them in whatever role that is that I would, I would play in their life. Uh, I totally appreciate you sharing that because for people like me who are, even without the trauma, were scatterbrained anyway, I have felt so much pain in the friendships that I've lost over the last few years. As one, I have been in freeze mode. It hasn't always been easy for me to reach back out to people or to respond when they hit me up. And it's always, it's actually beautiful, the friendships that have bloomed from the people who will like knock on your door again, just like, oh, you didn't respond to my last message. I wanted to check that, you know, you're okay. Or like they follow up again and it then gets me to be like, okay, I can't let that person down and I don't want to let them out of my life. So I need to show up in a more meaningful and a more beautiful way. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. I think it also, one, I just want to add one thing is, I think it's also really important to get clear on like, it's almost like the circles of of who is going to be close to us, right? So if you look at like, like what is my immediate circle that no matter what, like, so that's my kids, my husband, there's one or two people, right? That I will plan everything around them. And then there's this circle and there's the next circle, right? And so one is when you think about like I, I, the upward spiral, right? Where the five, where the, the sum of the five people spend the most time with. So we have to really be conscious about that energy that people are either going to pull us down or they're going to pull us up or, or they're just going to keep us at baseline. So in being intentional of like, who are those people that I feel like pull me up and they might pull you up in different categories. Maybe it's in their marriage or their relationships or the way they have fun or how present they are and think about that and then communicate and be intentional. And so, you know, whether it's like, I'm going to just put a note in my calendar to reach out once a month or once a quarter, or we're going to schedule that time. And like, again, it doesn't matter how organized or disorganized you are. Like if you, if you, put it in something you'll see, it is more likely to happen. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And as we're approaching the end of this episode, I want to just spend a moment talking about the fact that you are qualified in Reiki, because you mentioned a few times, um, as you were explaining about friendship and having boundaries, about being an energetic match for people. Do you want to just talk more about it, it, it? Like, I'm sorry to keep it quite broad, but I feel like you'll no, know no. intuitively where to go yes. with this. What it starts with, though, is learning to listen to ourselves and our intuition. And how, again, I go back to that discernment word, right? I realize my husband would be like, You're not sensitive at all. I'm like, I don't take things personally often, unless there's a trigger, right? Around trauma, that will happen. But I, realize I was actually highly empathic as a child and then some trauma. I mean, if you want to like get deep into like what happens with pineal glands and all that, but trauma, I'd learned it. I'd learned to turn it off as a protection mechanism. And so when I went through my Reiki to certification, February of 2020, and then 
2020 happened, I was open and attuned and so energetically sensitive. I was like, oh my gosh. So I actually felt, I was like, oh, this was like being a kid. And I felt everything. And I have to choose to shut it off again. But I chose to shut off. It was more about boundaries. And it was like, who I will work with, who I will not work with, who I will spend time with, who I will not. I mean, I ended a business partnership. Like a lot of things happened during that time. But the biggest thing was just connecting to myself and being willing to listen to myself and realizing every, I call it the good and the growth, every growth situation I've ever gone through that was my own, which they're always your own, you know, <laughs> like, like I put myself into this, I, into that relationship, that business opportunity, whatever it was. And it ended up being a massive growth experience, which meant it was really hard was because I had had an intuitive hit. I didn't listen to. I like justified myself out of the answer that I got. That is big. And I hear it from clients actually all the time of like, I knew I shouldn't have done it. Absolutely. I mean, both of the the long-term serious relationships I had outside of the boyfriend that passed and and then of course my husband who were just about to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. We've been together 13 years, which is crazy. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Both of them, I realized I had tried to break up with both of those people. And one led to a divorce and the other led to a restraining order, you know, so obviously not positive. Um, so I learned first to just to listen to myself and, and to, to tap into my energy. And, and this is what I really learned. And I think I learned this from a channeler is when stuff comes up, thoughts, right? Especially like from your gut, from your intuition, don't tell yourself you're crazy, even if it makes no sense. So this is why I don't have clients I don't like. Sometimes I have clients that I'm like, well, they're, they're a lot energetically <laughs> or they're challenging because they're, it, but it's towards both of our higher good. But I don't get on a, a Zoom call or on a, a client appointment with someone I don't feel like we are growing together and I don't enjoy, even if sometimes there's hard conversations. I don't get on with people that are going to energetically drain me in the short run or the long run. And that is because I've learned to listen to myself and I'm like, oh, and you've, you've heard me say it like a good client, I should say a, a bad client, which by the way, this is also a bad friendship, a bad relationship, a bad partnership will take like five X the energy that a good one will give you. And I have gotten really clear about removing energetic drains in what I eat, what I listen to, what I put into my body and the people that I'm around. <sighs> That is the most perfect place to round this up. And I'll just ask one final question. Your inner anthem, like take business out of it. um, Take even your husband and family out of it. When you get down to Rebecca as a soul, what is playing deep inside of you? What is your inner anthem? And you can pick a song if you can't find the, or you could pick an emotion, you could pick a song, whatever you want. Well, I, I, I played the song for my daughter this morning. We were, we were in, you know, getting, I was getting dressed and I turn on girls just want to have fun. <gasps> that is your inner anthem. I love that song. <laughs> yes. I have some like bougie, you know, some soul rising in the mystical, but you know, I look down and I'm like, if we're not having fun and that doesn't mean every moment because growth is not fun, but if we're not having fun, then kind of what's the point? And I realized that a year ago, year and a half ago, I was, you know, in business, I was like, I have built a business I love and none of the things on my calendar do I not want to do. And yet I'm not having any fun and it's draining me. 
And so I think that we can actually make really aligned decisions and not have fun. And so this year, while I prioritized spaciousness last year, this year is like about fun and joy. Oof. Do you know, Atty, who's also going to be on the podcast, said the same thing, making like her word of the year is fun. Your word is sustainability. Her word's fun. I love this. I'm surrounded by great people. Hmm. Well, because you're reflecting <laughs> back who you are. Um, I hope I hope so well thank you so much Rebecca for coming on is there anything you want to add I feel like you've added so much you've given so many nuggets of pure wisdom that are so digestible and so easy for the listeners to take into their real lives so thank you for that but keep being a daisy's energy because I do (laughs) I love you amazing I love you too thank you for listening Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that this episode has left you feeling inspired and a little bit more seen. Your life, after all, is a mixtape. And once you learn to play the tracks you want to hear and adjust that volume, you will have the soundtrack of your dreams. To stay connected and continue exploring the mixtape together, you can follow me on Instagram at Spiritual Mixtape. But also, if you have any thoughts for me, any questions or any ideas that you want to share, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at hello at spiritualmixtape.com. So until then, my friends, let your inner anthem guide your path.